Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to languages for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc. that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Dent, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I'm your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we return to Horror on the Orient Express with our cast and crew as we continue our investigation in Milan. And so at the top of the show, I'd like to thank all of the listeners who are out there enjoying the show. And uh, hopefully we are bringing you some warmth on these cold days. If it is cold where you are while you're listening, if it's not, then we're just going to have to heat everything back up for you. Uh, So we're going to start with introductions. To my right. Hello, I'm Mike, and I'm playing James Robert Fraser, who has been uh, hot on the trail. Yes, there's a, there's a fantastic uh, series of clues that have been uh, plucked by uh, the investigators here, and there's something building for certain at the heart of Milan. Uh, we are in the missing Lady Elizabeth formation, so we will go directly to the end of the table. Hi, this is Giles, and I'm playing Simon Griffith, and currently we're investigating blood magic and Alfa Romeos. Hmm. I mean, the two go hand in hand in my mind. Uh, to Mr. Griffiths, right? Hi, I'm Miranda, and I play Maggie Bellinger, and I'm just happy that a couple of us have managed to stay on track with our mission. True. It seems that you've come, you and Richard have come upon a pretty pertinent piece of information that uh, the props director or props master at uh, La Scala seems to have been the man who purchased this statuary piece. This seems like it bears further investigation. And last, but most certainly not least, the man whose eyes can draw a thousand points of attention from the ladies of the evening in Milan. I'm Martin and I'm playing Richard Courtney. And uh, Richard is wondering why on earth somebody's going, um, I don't know how to put this, Part shopping in uh, in Paris. Why why they can't get something from Milan is is beyond me. Maybe they bought a part in Paris to fix something in Milan. Who knows? Only further investigation will allow us to answer that question. So we raise the curtain, so to speak, tonight in Milan as Miss Bellinger and uh, Professor Courtney have finished up their receipt and information gathering and they're cross-referencing and now they're they bear the burden of this information that bears investigation so i would turn to the two of you and say where does it go from here well we hadn't headed to the theater yet correct but i i would imagine that we would make our way there richard may have to stop and nudge Maggie along every once in a while as she drifts <laughs> off into his eyes. This investigation may take longer than originally anticipated. From where you're at in kind of the heart of Milan, uh, La Scala is not far. And it's very, very well known. And the nice part for you is you're going to get the opportunity to potentially access it via the Galleria, which is this centerpiece truly really the first what we would call mall ever built it's this beautiful cross section of architecture that sits at the heart of milan and there's all of these wonderful italian renaissance architecture that sits both outside and inside and so to get to la scala you could walk directly through it And it's somewhat of a tourist destination. Just seeing it is something that, as you would know through your traveler's companion, uh, is a must. It's an absolute must to see La Scala and the Galleria before it. Richard, this is quite the sight to see. I hadn't imagined it would be this fantastical. No, I mean, it's... uh... 
well, quite a work of architecture if you're uh, you're into that thing. Um, very modern. Yes, I I haven't seen anything like it before. No, no. Um, it's a little bit like in some parts of London, I suppose, but um, not not quite the same. Yeah, there's a. A couple images, sorry. Just a couple images for you guys, just to kind of get this the state and the breadth of the location, right? Uh, so there's these beautiful, like vaulted areas, all of the domed glass that sits over top. Uh, it's it's a it's a marvel as far as architecture goes. There's certainly nothing like this back in the states, at least not that I've seen. No, I mean the oh the glass. You just do notice that there are a fair amount of statuary pieces, like full-size statuary pieces that line uh, the walls here of these shops, and that's what you're seeing here on the interior of of this mall. What you're seeing is there are shopping uh, areas for all of the locals to come to, fashion and, and beyond, but it seems like all of the great Italian historical figures are here, too. Uh, so you have a lot of praise being heaped on not only just Italy, but it, it's creative people. It's groundbreaking historical figures. Looking around, I'm wondering if perhaps Roshanti picked up a piece of the simulacrum and brought it back to be a decorative item. Um, well, possibly, I suppose. I mean, um, why don't we try and find him and ask him? I, I think that would be the most expedient way forward. Uh, yes, we shouldn't dilly-dally. No, quite. It might take us a while to work out where the uh, the theatre is from uh, the outside here. I mean, it's like a maze, this place. Yeah, without being an Italian speaker, you guys probably spent a little time just accidentally going one way and then finally getting rerouted the other. Finding the opera house itself, though, outside of the mall is not terribly hard. La Scala is huge. Uh, and it's a central point here as well. So even looking at the map that you have, you have the uh, ability there to see uh, point four, which is where the opera house is. So you'll go through three in this cross pattern here, and then you get dumped out into the courtyard of La Scala, which is where this enormous opera house is. And once you get out into the courtyard, you look left and, lo- and you look and you go, oh, right, that, that's the <laughs> opera house, that enormous building over there, mm-hmm. which was obscured, to be fair to you, Professor, was obscured by you being inside a massive mall. Malls can be scary places after all. <laughs> Indeed. Well, I suppose we just go to the front door and ask for Mr. Roshanti. Oh, well, we could certainly try. I mean, I know there's a, a stage door, and, and sometimes um, if the main door's closed, you you have to go around the side. But, uh, yes, yes, let's see if, see if it's open. Going to the front of La Scala is not terribly difficult. You walk straight across the courtyard, and you walk up to a pair of massive closed doors, and really like this courtyard that sits outside on the ground floor. There's a portico that accepts all of the guests inside of it. Beyond that, the doors itself are closed. There are people here. You're not sure if they're here for anything specific. Also, the outside of the theater has been decorated for the upcoming opera, which is an Egyptian-themed opera. And so you get a lot of banners and colors and decorations that befit that sort of thing. Let's leave no doorknob unturned in our investigation. And I will go try the front door. You try the front door. Mm-hmm. It is not locked. Oh, convenient. You pull on it a little bit, and there is a gentleman that uh, arrives soon after you pull the door open. He's in a <laughs> relatively conservative suit. He puts his hand up in a very passive yet direct gesture and says, "No, no." Uh, uh, he says something in Italian first, and then mm-hmm. and then you get the idea that what he's telling you is that they're closed. Oh, um, excuse me, do you speak any English? Um, a a bit. He kind of struggles out in English. We're looking for uh, Paolo Roshanti. I believe he's the head of props here. Ah, 
yes. He seems to a little a little bit confused. Um, do you have a delivery? It's a, around the back. Uh, no, we don't have a delivery. We wanted to um, uh, speak with him. Um, it, it is rather important. I, I understand. I, I understand. It. Um, they're they're preparing. He gestures deeper for for the opera. He says in again somewhat broken English. Oh yes, of course. Um, my friend here is a university professor, and um, we were coming in to uh, consult about the historical accuracies and inaccuracies, and we were hoping to um, speak with Mister Roshanti. Hmm. Yes, we've we've come all the way from London, um, especially. Hmm. One one moment. He very respectfully closes the door. A minute or two later, a younger boy comes out. He must be half the doorman's age. He pokes his head out and he says, in fairly bright, what you would call understandable British English, he says, can I help you? Uh, yes, we were um, hoping to meet with uh, Paolo Roshanti. Hmm. Yes, yes. Um, well, you understand, of course, he's probably pretty busy. He steps out the door. But um, I could probably help you out. I'm an understudy. He straightens his tie. An understudy of Mr. Roshanti. Absolutely. The gentleman inside said you were doing something historical? Yes, uh, we are doing something historical. In fact, we're looking for um, a historical artifact that we believe Mr. Roshanti might have uh, purchased in Paris. Hmm. Let's walk around back. I can probably get you inside. Fantastic. Thank you. He takes the long way and walks you around this massive opera house. As he continues, he looks out into the courtyard. You see him give a long glance to a couple that's sitting in the, the courtyard. And then he continues on. He almost blows enough to stop, but doesn't. Are they friends of yours? No, I thought I saw someone. We're we're all, of course, looking for Miss Cavallero. And so anybody that even even looks like her remotely, people are, are eager to have her back. Oh, uh, yes, I believe that um, my companions have are, are actually investigating her whereabouts as well. Truly? Yes. Oh, is is um is that the one that uh, Mr. Fraser's always always talking about? I I can't keep track of everything. Yes, I believe we met her on the train previously. Ah, oh, um, the the singer. Yes. Yes, I do think he rather fell for her. Yes, I also believe he's quite smitten. He's very concerned about where she's at. Hmm. Well, it's fair. I mean, she is a treasure of Italy for certain. He walks up to the back door and you see there's a rather large uh, Italian man. He doesn't have a, sh- uh, a suit coat on. He has just like a, a, a white button-up shirt that probably isn't buttoned up all the way. He looks like he's in great physical condition. And this uh, smaller man says, uh, Marco, these uh, these two are going to be with me, okay? You see the man stand up out of his chair, stub a cigarette out and says, Well, who, who are they? Can't just let anyone in here. The the boy says they're they're here for uh, Mr. Roshanti. Yes, he turns around and nods at you. Yes, yes, we've 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 come all the way from London. Richard, are you doing anything to conceal your eyes at all? Looking down, not looking, not making direct eye contact. Richard, why don't you give me a persuade roll to persuade Marco? You'll be at advantage as you have uh, a young but. Uh, seemingly amiable enough friend in Robert, the boy, Robert, who's helping you. What could possibly go wrong? Well. Ooh. Um, 29. So, uh, that's under his skill of 50. Persuasive is Richard. It seems that way, doesn't it? Marco looks at the two of you and says, 
don't touch anything and be quick about it. Oh, of course. Yes, thank you. Marco mentions to you, the opera is tomorrow night. They're just making some finishing items. You guys step backstage, and it's as if the world of Milan that you were existing in no longer exists. The door shuts on the back of the opera house, and all of the props and all of the stage treatments are there, right? So 10 foot high above you, just just there to the right, is a massive wooden nose against the wall. It looks like maybe some sort of pharaonic image, some sort of piece. Uh, You see four or five different men in pharaoh's outfits, smoking cigars, playing cards. There's a echo there in the background of sets being built. You hear singers exercising their throats, instruments being tuned. Um, A couple of orders get shouted out at what is fairly clearly Italian. Uh, And then immediately countermanded by someone else. You see stage hands scrambling around trying to get last minute items fitted in before tomorrow's performance. There's a great amount of anticipation. And the reason why this feels different, so different, is the outside world of Milan feels depressed. The people here in this space backstage are not so depressed. (laughs) So there is almost a lifting of that spirit a little bit. Um, But there's definitely a amount of stress that wafts its way through the room. Your guide continues forward. Well, Mr. Roshanti certainly seems to do quite well at his job. It must be an honor to be an understudy for him. He nods. Absolutely. You see along the walls here, too, as you continue through the back of the opera house, you see little posters and uh, pictures of Katerina. They're stuck up all everywhere. There, there are roses pressed against them. There are different flowers that uh, that are uh, surround her image. You see people as they pass them, uh, pass by, they kiss them, as if she's some sort of religious figure. And people are not paying you any mind, whatsoever. No decorative porcelain body parts, though, huh? Not that you see. Okay. Well. Um, uh, excuse me, um, why does Mr. Rashanti keep his props? Is there like a, a, a prop store? He puts an arm against your chest and pushes you back against the wall as a row of plastered limbs go directly past you on a rack with two people carrying it. Careful, careful. Some of the stagehand here, they couldn't care less if you were trampled. You see a huge chariot get wheeled in next. It's uh, got all sorts of jewels attached to it and uh, finery and whatnot. The place is really becoming a tornado of activity. Well, Maggie, this is almost as busy as the streets of London. Yes, it is. It'd be easy to get turned around in here. Mm, Indeed it would. If you're interested in seeing his collection, it's upstairs, but I can't go that way. Why is that? He looks down a little bit at the floor before looking at you. His room of props is had to been taken over. It's been taken over mostly by, well, many of the women here have decided to take over that room because their dressing room is not large enough. And complain as he would, Rashanti lost the battle fairly quickly. Understood. And as it's a lady's dressing room, you understand, he smiles. I tend to stay away, lest I get through shoes thrown at me. Ah, another little, um... Uh... Expedition for you, I think, then, Maggie. <laughs> oh, you won't be joining me, Richard. I think that would be rather um, improper. <laughs> if you want, if you go that way, he points further across the floor. Uh, you should be able to get to the the end of the backstage area there, and then there's a staircase that goes up. Sounds easy enough to find. Good luck. Thank you. He further pushes himself back against the wall as you see the dizzying array of stagehands moving right and left and moving equipment about. I guess I'll head off in that direction all by myself. You will. And as you do so, 
I'm going to have you, as you cross the floor here, make a dodge roll. Okay. That is a 32 under 42. Okay. You barely, and I mean by just the the thinnest of hair's breadth, (laughs) keep your left arm from being racked by uh, one of these chariot wheels as they're wheeling it back and forth to make sure that it's driving right for the show. Mm-hmm. You can feel the air pass over your elbow and you seem to twitch just at the right moment. You make it further into this melee, as it were. And then I'm going to leave you right there for the moment. Okay. Mr. Fraser and Simon, you arrive at the factory. Um, so this probably looks more like an estate in the more London sense is a very large piece of land that's been devoted off to this, the manufacturing of Alfa Romeos. There is the more office area and then behind it, there's this factory area itself. And then there does seem to be a warehouse or two that exists somewhere on site, likely for either parts or um, building materials or tires, all sorts of things possible. There's no gate per se, uh, at least no gate guard by any means. Uh, he drives directly onto the property and then he drives towards the sales area, the office area, and puts it in park. Mr. Griffith, I wonder what uh, you think is the best way to proceed here. Shall uh, Would you like to uh, walk around with, uh, uh, with uh, our translator here and uh, see if you can speak to somebody in the, uh, perhaps in the the back of the showroom or or around in the uh, mechanics area or something? Certainly. Um, I'm happy to do what I can to get uh, whatever information we need, as long as it leads to her safe return. Anthony, uh, we're we're looking for a couple of things here. We're looking for her return, and it seems it may potentially cross over with uh, who was responsible for Mr. Spinola's death. Can we investigate that as well? Um, certainly. He was a worker here. There's got to be workers here that know him. I mean, they, they worked with the man. I'm certain that some of these workers were here. Likely you saw them in front of the police station. They want his death solved as well. We saw what happened back there, and we don't want to necessarily tell the workers that there may be uh, Strega involved or anything like that, but... He curls his eyebrows when you say Strega. Let's, let us not, let's not speak of that here. We won't, but obviously it would not surprise me if this is all tied in together somehow. For some reason, we have been running afoul of taps like these. Hmm. You sure there is not some sort of... No, I I won't even suggest it. I'm I'm not a superstitious man. I I believe in my faith, and uh, I know what I believe. And we're both armed, sir. Well... He uh, steps out and then opens the door for Lady Elizabeth. If you will, uh, 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 I'm happy to go with you to see what we can sort out with the workers here if they know anything more. Well, I suppose we shall uh, meet you a little later on, say, uh, what do you think, in an hour or so? Does that give you enough time? Mm, It should. I think so, otherwise uh, we may have worn out a welcome back in the back there. Let's meet up here in in an, in an hour or so. Don't buy more than one car. They are very fine automobiles, I have to say. <laughs> Mr. Fraser, you and Lady Elizabeth walk towards the front offices. While there is not a modern-day showroom, there is a office with a pleasant enough-looking receiving area, although clearly uh, probably not up to, uh, we'll say, standard. It is more a production business than it is a modern even 50s or 60s era showroom. Are there any um, of the models on the forecourt or anything like that? There are a couple of them out where um, one could spend some time looking and thus bulk up the story, so to speak. So I think um, with her ladyship's permission I'll um, spend a little bit of time just kind of looking at the uh, uh, the cars in the forecourt uh, wait to see if we catch somebody's eye if somebody comes out to attend to us 
It doesn't take more than, say, a, a minute or two. I wouldn't say that they're sharks uh, looking for chum by any means when it comes to their sales standards, but uh, it doesn't take terribly long before a young gentleman makes his way out in a reasonably smart attire, although he's not rushing by any means. He's taking his time. He does not seem to angle towards approaching Lady Elizabeth. He seems to come towards you, and he keeps a reasonable and pleasant distance and introduces himself as Philippe, that uh, he'd be happy to help you or uh, your guest with uh, anything that they might require. Bonjour, uh, hello, uh, you speak uh, English? Of course, he says, in the slight, with a slight Italian accent. His English seems to be pretty good from the first blush of it. Perfect. Thank you. Um, uh, well, uh, uh, my name is Fraser. I represent uh, Her Ladyship, Lady Elizabeth Fitzroy. Um, we are considering uh, purchasing one or more of uh, your Alfa Romeo uh, automobiles here. Um, I was just wondering if you could uh, show me show me some of the line, make some recommendations, perhaps? Well, certainly. I'd be happy to, Mr. Fraser. He gestures towards one of the other automobiles. He seems to want to give a little bit of space between you and uh, Lady Elizabeth. He gestures to something that's quite trendsetting, so to speak. This is a very red Alfa Romeo. He gestures to it. Um, this is the P2. The P2. Um, you tell me a little bit about that. It's a two-seater. Uh, two-seater. Uh, how many cylinders? He taps on the hood a little bit. Eight cylinders. Oh, very good. And uh, what horsepower does this have? Fraser is not by any means a, a knowledge on, on cars. Sure. But he knows enough to be able to ask uh, pertinent questions regard, uh, and not be fobbed off, um, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So um, so that's, that's the kind of line he's going to pursue. He's going to make it clear that um, he's not just uh, wanting to choose a, a car that is, uh, is, a, is a nice colour. Uh, you know, wants to get something that's going to have certain sort of uh, specific criteria in terms of the, of its actual functionality, um, and, and try and try and make it clear to the, the to the salesman that he knows what he's talking about, and uh, um, so so he can get to the meat and potatoes, as it were, of the of the uh, the showroom. He taps on the uh, hood a little bit and then raises the side panel so you can see the engine. It says seventy eight horsepower. Oh, well, that's very good. Very good. Um, now, um, this is obviously a, a somewhat sporty number. Um, mm. Her ladyship has uh, certain uh, requirements uh, as to the uh, configuration uh, of the, the seating area and the, the, the driving area. Uh, mm-hmm. I can go into more detail with you uh, on, on that at a later stage, but I just wanted to check that uh, uh, that would be something that uh, you and your mechanics here would be able to accommodate. Certainly. We have the uh, RL inside uh, and it's a straight six engine, seats four, and even perhaps up to six if there's children involved. Ah, oh, yes, yes, yes. Well, uh, um, uh, not at at present, but uh, <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Well, let's let's take a wee look at that, um, and I'll I'll go over and let her ladyship know that uh, I'm going to go and uh, see a couple more more models, and this uh, this gentleman's going to show me around. She nods to you, seeming to to play her part. Simon, you and Anthony get around the side of the factory. You see a lot of these tall uh, garage doors that are open as uh, men are continuing to work on the vehicles in this um, in this fashion. There's no mass manufacturing line here running out cars as we would know it today. This uh, production factory is moving uh, at a proper pace, and then they're being a little bit more specific with how they handle their cars. Anthony steps over towards one of the doors and makes a motion to one of the workers. You see this uh, middle-aged gentleman step out. Anthony lights a cigarette and passes another one of those gentlemen. They begin to have a fairly quick conversation in Italian. I just wait patiently by. I'm assuming he's, uh, you know, breaking the ice and introducing himself. Anthony looks at you. Again, we're looking for anybody associated with uh, Spinola. Yes? As I understand, uh, per the flyer we got, he was arguing with some individuals in the union. Hmm. 
and, and they're trying to make it seem as if other union members turned on him. Could you ask if this is correct? They would know better than we would, of course. Certainly. Anthony turns to the man and they again have another almost round of conversation. And the man, the worker, seems to get a little bit more animated. He seems to gesture and wave off Anthony a couple of times. You're not really sure if this is him telling him to leave or if this is just a very natural, more talk with hands sort of Mediterranean mentality. Anthony turns to you and says, there was, there was no war between anyone here. There was no... The workers disagreed that that happens, but I'm not certain Spinola had any issues inside the union. Is this gentleman here... Uh a member of the union and somewhat ranking? Not ranking, but uh, they're all members of the union, of course. Right, I understand. But um, yeah, at least in our unions in the United States, and you can tell him I'm a union member as well. I'm with a, a mining union. Hmm. But we usually have a couple bosses. Are there any of the bosses in the show? My concern, sorry, I'm rambling here just a little bit, is uh, I'm wondering... If the black shirts being quote unquote in control of Milan at the moment, if they are spreading misinformation, blaming it on other union members when they may have perpetrated this. Yes, that's the story that I'm getting from him. So he said that there is a, uh, a foreman here, a Giono, that we could speak with. Could, could he set that up? He gestures to the man and the worker, like, begins walking down the line. Anthony follows after him. You get to uh, what looks like a foreman's workstation. Big work table, bit at an angle so they can look at blueprints or paperwork. It's not completely outside, but it's at the edge of the garage door so they can enjoy the fresh air and they can, you know, smoke and do whatever. And, And it looks like, too, this might be a there's a little half wall here behind his desk that's set up, and it's maybe where workers might gather. You see a lot of collected cigarette butts behind there. Anthony greets Giono, and they have a bit of a back and forth. And uh, Giono's a a little bit of a, sh- a shorter man, probably a bit uh, on the heavier side. He wears very heavy workers' overalls uh, and a slouch hat, and he's got um, enormously swollen fingers. You can tell like each one of his, the digits of his fingers look like a good fat pork sausage. It's a clear sign. He's a man who works with his hands or has for many years. And he uh, steps over. Uh, good day. Can I help you? You speak some English, sir? Enough. I speak enough. I take out my union card and I say, I'm also a union member from America. No. Oh. Uh, with, with a mining uh, union, you know, going down hmm. coal. Sure. But uh, I'm over here with a couple friends, and uh, we're doing some investigating, and it seems that uh, this Mr. Spinola, I'm under the understanding that it was probably the fascists. He looks around. Uh, there are there are turncoats even here. There are union members. They pay their dues to stay on our books, but they can keep an eye on us. Do you think it was them? There are a couple workers here, young men who've been on my eye for some time. We're, we're trying to get some information on what happened that night. Did anybody see him prior to anything happening? He looks you up and down. I can tell you used to work with your hands. I don't ask for anything more than men to do an honest work and for them to be a part of the brotherhood that keeps everyone fed. These black shirts, he spits on the ground. I have no time for them. They come in and bully the owners. I tell you this, the factory is ours. They will never take it from us. But I have two young men. My worry may have had something to do with that. I've talked to them myself, but they won't listen to me. They won't tell me the truth, and I know they're lying. Okay. Hmm. Would you like me to speak to them after work? They're going on break in a little while. Uh, There is a uh, cafeteria here in the middle of the building. You may be able to speak with them there. All right, sir. I do appreciate your time. Unfortunately, I have a feeling that this is is more... There's more behind all this than just the black shirts. Those boys know something. 
now question. Mr. Spinola was found outside of uh, Mr. Conti's machine parts uh, building. Yes, I saw the paper. Mr. Conti, how is he in regards to the unions? Mm. Conti was a member of the union. He worked here at this factory for some time until he went into business for himself. Would you say he is still a friend of the unions, or do you think he... I think he cares more about his health than he cares about the union or the black shirts. He's been terribly weak with pneumonia, tuberculosis. Has been for several years now. I see. See a fan of the opera, perchance. Who doesn't like to hear a good opera? I understood. Understood. One of my friends is just mad about the opera. We also heard about the disappearance of Ms. Caballero. Yes. Or Cav- Cavallar. Is it Cavallari or Caballero? I'm sorry. I am American. Well, I can apologize for many things, but your Americanness is not one of them. I will tell you this. It's Cavallero. Cavallero. I, I apologize, sir. There is no B in her name. Understood. Well, Miss Cavallero went missing from the train station. That's what I've heard. And it appears to have been beat related to the black shirts again. Truly? Are you sure? As I said, we are investigating and... Well, Mr. Anthony here is the driver from Miss Cavallero. And uh, he was set upon by the black shirts when he tried to find out what happened. You see uh, Giona look at Anthony, and Anthony smirks. Well, he says, I have to get back to work, but uh, good luck in your search. And uh, if you want to speak with Peter and uh, his friend, I'm certain you'll find them. They're in yellow today, points across the factory towards a couple of workers that are at the back working on what look like wheels cafeteria would be the best time to get a hold of them. About what time would that be, sir? Should be another 15 minutes. Well, I I do believe I'm feeling a little thirsty, Anthony. Shall we go get a drink back there? I I understand Italian coffee is fantastic. Oh, indeed. Indeed. It's the finest coffee in the world. Let's go get a cup while we're waiting. Does it sound like a plan, Anthony? He nods. You guys head off towards the cafeteria. Miss Bellinger the things that you do for the theater and the opera (laughs) and body parts. Mm -hmm. You navigate your way through this torrent of activity and you find yourself on the other side in a much calmer side of the opera house back office. It is no less a place of relaxation and uh, no less a place of those who are not preparing for their lines sitting around and and gawking. It is a far more feminine area now, as it seems the opera house is almost cut in two between where the men go and where the women go, at least at the moment. Mm -hmm. I'll try to make my way to wherever looks like the prop room would be. You make your way past. Um, There's a area just up a flight of stairs. It looks like it's down a, a long hallway where there's a three or four women who are coming towards you, mostly dressed in undergarments as they prepare their next piece to wear for the opera. Yep. I'll make my way past them. If the door is closed, I would, I would knock. I don't want to intrude on anyone. The door opens Mm -hmm. and there's a a middle-aged man there, relatively average height, black curly hair, wire rim glasses who says, you're not in dress. Oh, no, I'm I'm not in the show. Well, I'm sorry. I'm flattered that you would think so, though. Well, may I, may I ask what you're doing here? This is, we're very busy. Yes, I, and I won't be a bother at all. I, I was sent up here to the, take a look at the props. I didn't expect to run into another gentleman here. Well, it is my props room, and oh. it is my dressing room, although these... Fine ladies are borrowing it. You hear them, like, basically yell something back in Italian, which you're not too sure of, but it doesn't sound too positive. Oh, 
Um, yes, Mr. Roshanti, then. Indeed, he steps out of the room and kind of half shuts the door as another trio of ladies slip by the two of you. Can, uh, can, come over here. We'll, we'll talk where it's a little less busy. Uh, yes, of course. I should introduce myself. Uh, Maggie Bellinger. Oh, um, Bellinger. Bellinger. Is it not Bellinger? Um, I come from the States and we pronounce it Bellinger. My apologies. How can I help you? Well, through some research, I, I've, I've been uh, researching and looking for parts of an old statue. And I um, actually heard that you may have acquired part in Paris. Hmm. And I was um, um, hoping if I could confirm or deny that. And, and if, if so, um, possibly have a look at it. I must tell you, Miss um, Bellinger, I have acquired hundreds, if not thousands of pieces in my time. I'm sure. Uh, this one is very specific. Um, it would be a body part. Um, some people seem to think it's an arm, but... We have an arm already. It might be a different piece, um, but it uh, is, is very decorative, um, porcelain-looking, um, with a very with fine detailing on it. I mean, in the years since I have been there to acquire anything, uh, I must tell you, I, I have probably shopped and purchased hundreds of costuming pieces, it it would be very difficult to, to narrow it down. Even, I mean, even something is what sounds so fantastical. He puts his finger on his nose and taps his nose like he's thinking. Yes, it, 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 at least the piece that I've seen before is, is very specific, and, and you would definitely know it if you saw something like it. Hmm. You know, um... Perhaps you would speak to Costumery. That might be something that uh, I may have given over to them. A lot of the pieces I buy for mannequins, whatever they be, they're just to lay clothing on. Yes, I, di I did suspect that that might be the case. But yes, um, is there someone in costuming that I could talk to? Well, <laughs> if you can work out whoever works in costuming these days. <laughs> it has been just an absolute minefield to to find someone who would stay who does not grow ill in the past six years I have gone through must be ten customers at this point well, that's quite unfortunate uh, I mean uh, pick pick your uh, paralysis eh? consumption pneumonia gastrointestinal issues I had one customer break down with the severest case of asthma I've ever seen she could barely breathe after two or three weeks. That's quite strange. No one else here's fallen ill, only the costumer? Well, in the most recent sense, we have only had Visconti working a few weeks. And so far, Louisa seems perfectly fine. Oh. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe a few months, a few weeks, as all of these days bleed together. She has not had any issue. So we are hoping, <laughs> hoping that this bad luck has moved on. Yes, of course. Um, and hopefully you will find Mrs. Miss Cavallero soon as well. This matter has been left up to the police as far as I am aware. Uh, but if what I am told, and I expect you to keep confidence of this, what I am told is that if she does not appear... By tomorrow, by the time of the opera, it's my understanding that the show will continue. Well, of course, the show must go on. She certainly must have an understudy. Well, there is someone who could work in the role. Perhaps not completely replace her. She is a gem of Milan. It would be impossible to replace her. Yes, of course. But... Arturo Vercaccia could potentially fill the role. He has a fantastic voice, which has come to him. And uh, he could serve in, 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 uh, as a centerpiece to the production. The work that's been done here has been gathering over weeks for her return from Paris. And 
can't, we can't simply let the city down at this point. Certainly not, and it's quite fine work that you have done. If you head out here and, and take a left, and then uh, and then take a right, and you go up three levels, you should be able to find the costumery, and then you should be able to find Louisa there, and perhaps she can direct you to whatever piece exactly you're looking for. I, I must I must ask you one question. Yes. Why are you looking for it, this piece? It's really just a, of a historical uh, interest. I have a friend that is a, a professor, and I, I find myself quite intrigued by the artifact that it came from, and I figured what an adventure to travel across Europe and track down what happened to it. In the, in the view of a historical lens, of course, um, I, I fancy myself some of a, a, a travel writer. Hmm. Interesting. Who would ever thought a mannequin piece could cause so much travel? Uh, Yes, indeed. Um, But um, whatever uh, reason gets you out onto an adventure, I I feel is a fine one. I I would, perhaps after all is said and done, um, we'll see each other again. I'd I'd love to hear about all of the places that you've been collecting uh, props for the theater. Hmm. Perhaps we shall get the time. I would check with Kostromi, as I said. If they are not there, then... uh, You may have to come back tomorrow at some point before the show. Yes, um, understood. Uh, Hopefully I will will catch the show as well. Hmm, I should hope so. It is a wonderful production. Yes, that's what I've heard. Well, thank you for your help. Of course. So, Mr. Fraser, you are continuing to go over the different models with... uh, Mm -hmm. Uh, with the uh, salesman here, and uh, you have to admit, I mean, if if her ladyship was actually interested in one of these Alfa Romeos, or they have a, a fair selection of choices here to, to choose from. The RL, you see that they've clearly they have a, a, the the G1. That's that's more for track racing, of course. He goes through one other model here, and that is an RM model. And that seems to be like the RL, but uh, has a bit more of a sportier package to it. So, of of all the models I'm, I'm looking at, um, and I'm I'm also talking about the modifications that might need to be made, you know, um, changing the angle mm-hmm. of the steering wheel, perhaps um, a, uh, a a gear shift uh, that's by hand the dashboard level rather than the standard level modifications sure. positioning the pedals all that that sort of stuff but i also want to look and see if i can see uh, a model that i think corresponds with the one that was used to pick katharina cavallero up from the station in your mind uh, at least from the descriptions that you've had it's going to be an rl version because it's got the seating necessary to take on that many people right the g1 doesn't neither does the p2 they're they're too small so you are looking for that rl version which is a fairly long bodied as far as the alfa romeo goes but it has that top that someone could enter and then sit in the back of specifically so I'll, I'll I'll speak about um, speak to them about a, a two seater slight, slightly more more sporty um, model uh, as mm-hmm. well. But I'll also express interest in the in the RL model. Uh, I, I want to um, ask them uh, about um, what the turnaround time is for um, uh, the manufacturer and the modifications that we're talking about. What uh, the shipping details um, would need to be made in order to get it shipped over to England, all, all that kind of practical stuff. But at some point during the, the, the conversation, I'll ask for testimonials as well. He's happy to provide, your salesperson's happy to provide a list of local uh, RL owners mm-hmm. who would act as a testimonial to the, the class and the fit of the car. Splendid, splendid. If he provides that list, I will, I, I will read that list. If any of these uh, if these parties would uh, would be uh, willing for me to contact them to ask them uh, how they find the car, oh, we we take their names down only if they are willing to to, to speak with others, oh, and we have not had a single person turn us down. 
Oh, splendid. Oh, perhaps you could tell me a, a little bit about, uh, I mean, uh, I'm a stranger here, uh, obviously, uh, a little bit about some of the names on, on this list. Well, whether they be um, some of the local town dignitaries, the mayor is an Alfa Romeo owner as well. Uh, we have several businessmen here in the city who own them. It goes through a, a rather short list. Not everybody here has an Alfa Romeo, obviously. It's probably a list of about eight people. He says that he's happy to head inside and, and write their particulars down that you would be able to, if you'd like, phone them. Yeah, there's a phone inside if you'd like to use it. Uh, oh, splendid. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, converse with her, her ladyship. Um, uh, and, uh, uh, well, we would certainly uh, be very interested in, in pursuing this. Um, obviously, we'll have to have uh, some conversations with the uh, our people uh, back in England. Um but uh, I'm very impressed with the with the showroom here. I'm very impressed with uh, uh, with yourself uh, and uh, and with the cars. Um, so um, I will. What I will do is I, I will. Uh, it's, it's it's getting a little late. We need to be heading on now. Um, but I will uh, possibly speak to one or more of the of the people on uh, on your list here. Um, and uh, I will uh, no doubt be seeing you at uh, some stage in the not too distant future. Ah, wonderful, sir. He gives you a smile and. Uh, would you care to uh, take any refreshments before leaving? Oh, uh, a, wee, uh, a wee cup of tea, I suppose, wouldn't go amiss, yes. Certainly, certainly. Thank you. He uh, directs you... Or coffee, uh, I'm, 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 uh, I'm not averse to a, a cup of, cup of uh, Italian espresso or uh, cappuccino. Certainly, certainly, he smiles. Um, he es- guides the two of you. Uh, inside the uh, office area and then walks you directly back towards where there's this cafeteria or canteen area. Uh, It's fairly large uh, and there seem to be multiple sections of at least two. In the front section, this seems to be maybe where there are some tables and chairs afforded to office workers. And then there seems to be a divider a bit uh, and then an open archway where you can see some of the workers from the factory here who are getting coffee or having a, a moment's break. And it's through that archway, Mr. Fraser, that you see Anthony and Simon having coffee in the back. Excellent. I will pay them no attention whatsoever. Simon, while you're having some, um, just some of the last of the coffee in your cup, you see a group of workers come in. There must be six or eight of them. And they go to the far end of the side uh, of the workers' side of this cafeteria. And uh, as they do, they pile around a specific table, and you can see there's two or three workers here who are wearing those yellow shirts. It seems that they do some sort of designation for who works what job based upon either what shirts or aprons they're wearing as to a method of telling workers apart from one another. Mr. Anthony, it appears that our uh, gentlemen have arrived for our conversation. Shall we go over and introduce ourselves to... It's Peter, and I I don't recall the other one at the moment. I don't think that they gave the name for the second one. Let's find out. He stands up and uh, walks with you across the cafeteria floor. You can see that uh, some of the workers eye you a little bit. You have to get in through a couple of tables before you get to that table and specifically. Anthony says something to the table... And uh, you hear him say the name Peter. And there's a probably a, a, a shorter man, uh, thin, who looks up from his coffee and gestures with his hand, still waving a bit of the cigarette smoke in Anthony's direction. Anthony looks at you and looks back at this gentleman. And you hear him say, in this run of Italian words, you pick out the Spinola word. He mentions the worker. They seem to... The, the, the table around them seems to quiet a little bit. Would Mr. Peter there be willing to sit at a table and talk to us? You're asking the question as Anthony and Peter are having a very direct back and forth. Uh, psychology to see if I can pick up on... What's going on? Certainly. I actually got a 10 under 20, so that is a hard success. Okay. Something's not right. 
Something's not going well for Anthony. You're not sure what it is. Anthony, what is it? I don't know. He's... It's it's like I've... I barely... I, I understand that they're upset about the worker. About Spinola, but... And, and as should everyone be. No one wants to see anyone murdered, but... He said that it's it's not his problem. He said it's not his concern. Tell him that I would like to talk to him now. He turns. He gestures to you and then points out the nearby door. And uh, Peter shakes you off. Shakes Anthony out, basically shakes his head. He stands up from the table. He finishes his coffee. And then him and another gentleman, basically, uh, they just they get up from the table. I go over and stand by them, blocking their way. Okay. Gentlemen, that was not a question. Now we talk outside. You see uh, a couple of the other workers get, uh, they kind of crowd in. Anthony says to you in English, uh, I'm not sure what kind of, I'm not sure where this is going, Simon. Uh, Anthony, why don't you tell them that I am a, I am with the union investigating we look after our own. Workers take care of workers. He uh, responds, echoing it out in uh, Italian. And uh, the crowd seems to move a little bit left and right. Mr. Fraser, you're starting to pick up some of this on the other end of the divider. There's a lot of uh, raised voices in, on the other side of this divider. Um, I will see if I can position myself where I can sit drinking my coffee but still have a view through this divider to see if I can see what's going on you know, it's not going to be unusual for if there's raised voices for, for us to sort of prick our ears up a little bit but I don't want to um, I don't want to act like I'm, I've got any more than a passing interest but I do want to keep an eye on what's going on just in case it is anything to do with um, uh, our companions Sure, Anthony why don't you ask Peter why the death of his union brother is not his problem? Is he scared? You see how uh, courageous Anthony is willing to be on your behalf. He says something with a whole lot more um, attitude than you've heard him say anything. And... A couple of the workers look over at Anthony like, what did you say? And a fight breaks out. Between who? <laughs> Everyone. Your dex is 80. Yes. You will not go first. A fight breaks out in mass. We'll say there's about eight to 10 workers plus you and Anthony here in about a uh, eight to maybe ten foot circle area around this table. There are doors to behind you and there's doors ahead of you, right? So the, the cafeteria itself is a big box and there's on one side of it, there is this open garage door that goes to the factory. Uh, on, on the rectangle, like, it's a rectangle, right? So like on the, on the far end and, and the near end, there are man doors, right? Man-sized doors that go out into the parking lot or go into the backyard area. And then there is this divider on the uh, towards the office, right? That has a little kind of archway that leads to the more proper section of of the building uh, away from the factory. Peter is going to use his action to move out the nearest door. I'm going to try and stop him. Well, you're not going to get an opportunity to, unfortunately. Okay. Because what we're going to do provided you are going to pursue him is we're going to have a chase. Fair enough. Yay, a chase. <laughs> what I want to know is, are you going to pursue him? Yes. And then Mr. Fraser, seeing that your compatriot has potentially started some sort of row, row as, as we might call it here, but he seems to have a target he's going after. My question is, is are you going to assist him in any fashion? Because it seems like Anthony is going to be a little busy. Um, okay, so I, I think what I need to know is when we arrived at the place, was it really obvious that we were all together? No, you wouldn't say so. Um, you parked in an area where most of the factory workers probably never saw you show up. Okay. 
Um, so if that is the case, um, then I'm going to assume that uh, maybe some of the um, sort of middle management staff uh, here are expressing some concern at a fight having broken out in the <laughs> yeah. cafeteria. Um, yes. and, and, and I suspect what they're probably likely to be doing is trying to huckle us out of the, um, the, the dining area so we don't see this kind of rather um, untoward side of the business, especially as, you know, we've got some ability on, on the premises. Um, and I'm going to allow them to do that. Okay. It would rather scupper the uh, the ruse that we're uh, we're here in in, uh, in order to you know, query about the car. So I'm gonna I, I'm going to escort Lady Elizabeth off the premises and to the car. Okay. So here's what I want to do then. If your intent is to pursue, then Simon, I want to pick up in the next episode with the chase. Well, I have a question actually. Mm-hmm. How, um, before I choose to pursue, mm-hmm. how many people are dogpiling Anthony? Probably six. Uh, then I'm going to actually save Anthony. Okay. I'm use, trying to use my size to separate them out. That's fair. Why don't you, so what I'll say is that you, instead of going directly after them, you spend a round or maybe two, essentially using strength and or brawl to pull people off of Anthony so he doesn't get completely clobbered. Mm-hmm. We're going to need him for later. Indeed, you might. So yeah, give me a roll. Strength or brawl? Um, I would say brawl probably in this case because most of these people you're going to have to fight with a little bit. You're basically trying to get body position on them and pull them off. That's, that's fairly clearly a brawl roll. That's an 11 under 50. That's an extreme, I believe. Oh, all right. Why don't you roll me unarmed damage then? So you're going to yank this person and pull them off. and Only two, but again, as I said, I'm not trying to cause damage. Yeah. I'm more trying to just pull them off. So, Mr. Fraser, you're on the other side of this divider, and you're standing up and preparing to move you and, and Lady Elizabeth into a, a much more peaceful space. And the middle management gentlemen are, are desperate to, to show you that nothing terrible is happening here. They're doing their absolute best to... Uh, uh, all is well here in front of the uh, the area. Uh, and as the, the man is telling you that everything is going to be fine, just go ahead and, and head back back out front. To, uh, we'll we'll deal with whatever uh, uh, questions you may have about the your next Alfa Romeo purchase. The sound is punctuated by a body hitting the divider. Good Lord, man. What is going on here? What kind of a place is this? Uh, does, is this a frequent occurrence? Fights breaking out, breaking out amongst your staff? I have no idea what's gotten into them. Uh, well, well, I, I, I have to say I'm not particularly impressed with this. Uh, come along, your ladyship. Uh, we shall come back when things have quietened down a little bit, I think. So you guys are going to exit. Uh, for Anthony's part, he is not giving up. He is terribly outnumbered. Um, but he is getting walloped uh, in the brawl department, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, as he is having to make um, a few rolls here down down dice at this point. So you pull one of these people off of, uh, one of these workers off of Anthony, and as you do, uh, you turn back to get the next one, and you watch him take a punch right to the, the side of the face. And... Uh, he staggers on his feet a little bit. I grabbed the one who just punched him. It's it's an awesome thing that they're wearing these overalls that have these two straps on the back I can grab onto and swing them by. Sure, why not? I mean, that's a fighting brawl roll. That's a fail. 75, it's not a botch. That's good. You swing, um, and at this point have gotten the attention of a couple of workers yourself. Uh, and they're going to uh, lay into you as well because you're here and you're obviously with that guy who talked bad about these workers here. And so uh, Dodger are fighting uh, fighting Brawl to uh, fight back if you'd like. Fight back. Go ahead. Forty-four under fifty. That's a success. Okay. And then again, if you'd like, uh, with a disadvantage. 
away from that one. Okay, 23 and 33 under 50. So yeah. both successes. Uh, all right. You get laid upon by a couple of these men, but really it's a whole lot of swinging and a whole lot of missing on both of your accounts. Uh, essentially, you know, this has turned into a very messy food fight uh, here in the in the cafeterias. Trays and coffee are going everywhere. Anthony squares up one of these uh, workers that he's seemingly picked a fight with and just nails him in the nose. When that gentleman goes down, a lot of the other workers seem to lose their steam a little bit. And Anthony collapses against the wall as he's now bloodied and bruised from uh, some of his wounds. I, I, I asked Anthony if he's okay. At the same time, I'm sticking down a hand to help the worker up. He just plastered in the nose. He looks up He looks up at you as he tries to get back to all of his feet and says, it looks like Peter's a part of this. It does. I'm going to need to know what you said to these boys here to get them all riled up. And why are they all covering for Peter? Let's go after him and find out. Let's do that. Uh, can, can you tell the gentleman here? We're very sorry. We're, yeah, we're just, just go, Simon. Just get him. So you're out the door. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is where we're going to call this evening to a close. So thank you so much for joining us for our cafeteria fight. We'll pick it up next week when uh, surely Simon will come to some grisly end as he tracks these warehouse workers, these factory workers through, uh, through what could be a very wonderful chase scene. So, we thank you for your listening ears. Good night. <laughs>